Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit is stirring up in the church right now. Words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. We are glad you can be with us this week as we seek to encourage you for this moment in history. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. One of the saddest things I feel like has happened in the church is that God's people has been robbed of confidence in his word. And if we're robbed of our confidence in the truthfulness and reliability of God's word, we can't know God anymore. If we're robbed of confidence in the truth of Jesus' words, we can't know Jesus anymore and we can't follow him. The only way we know Jesus is because he's spoken to us. He showed himself to us. He's become flesh. And, and, and like scripture says, like Jesus said, he said, heaven and earth will pass away before my word will pass away until every part of it will be fulfilled. Or when he was tempted by the devil in the desert, he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out from the mouth of God. So I just want to tell you, brothers and sisters, Recover your confidence in God's word. It's our lifeline. It's a lifeline right now in the midst of what we're experiencing. One of the things that is gripping the world right now is fear and anxiety. Uh, you know, the pollsters polled people and I think something like 80 or 90% of the people are anxious and afraid concerning finances and concerning their health. So I want to talk to you about the word that Jesus has given us to help us not be gripped by anxiety about finances or anxiety about our health. It's normal to be anxious and to be worried. It is not normal to let anxiety and worry to make us their slaves, to grip us, to control us, to lock us up, to keep us back from the freedom that Jesus wants us to have. Let's start with finances. When I was about to get married, golly, a long time ago, 52 years ago, I was a partially employed, recently graduated, sort of scruffy, 60s kind of guy living above Campus Corner Drugstore here in uh, in Ann Arbor with three other guys. And I had met a wonderful girl at Michigan State University when we were doing campus ministry there, and we were engaged to be married, and she was still a senior there graduating, and I I was working in Ann Arbor already on campus ministry, and I was sitting on the floor of our sparsely furnished apartment, and I was saying, Lord, how is this going to work? I'm taking on the responsibilities of a married man and I have a part-time job. How is this going to work out? And I felt like the Lord gave me a scripture passage that's really been a lifeline for me to keep me from financial anxiety. And it's been really a very foundational scripture text for Anne and myself and our whole marriage, our whole life. Here it is, Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 22. You also can find it in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. 
And then he goes on to talk about how he cares for even the slightest you know, things in life, the, the lilies of the field, the grass, and all those things. And then he says, oh, you of little faith. Faith is so key. How does faith come? Scripture says, Romans chapter 10, faith comes through hearing. I'm going to share some things with you from God's word that I hope will increase faith in your soul, increase faith in your life, increase faith in your heart, and give you protection against the onslaught of the devil. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the spiritual armor. This part of the spiritual armor I want to talk about right now is the shield of faith which scripture says extinguishes the fiery darts of the evil one. All day long, the evil one's firing fiery darts at us. If we don't have the shield of faith, what do I mean by the shield of faith? Faith has several dimensions. Faith is trust in the goodness, in the love, in the truthfulness, in the person of Jesus. Trust in his sacrifice for us on the cross Trust in his promise of resurrection. But faith also has a content besides the person of Jesus. It's the word that he's spoken to us to guide us on our path. Jesus has spoken to us the most important things anybody has ever spoken because they're words of eternal life. They're the only words that exist in the world that are words of eternal life. The world is full of words. The world is full of noise. The world is full of deception. The world is full of illusion. The world is full of demonic deceptions. It even says in scripture at a certain point that the day will come when the doctrines of demons will be infiltrated into the church through plausible liars. So we have deception all around us. We have lies all around us. It's coming to us from the advertising industry. It's coming to us in so many different ways. And the only way we can protect ourselves against it and triumph over it is with the shield of faith, which is the person of Jesus and his word. So here's his word to protect us against being overwhelmed by financial anxiety. Oh, you of little faith. Do not look for what you are to eat and what you are to drink and do not worry anymore. All the unbelievers of the world are looking for these things, but your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek first his kingdom and his holiness and these other things will be given to you as well. This is not, by the way, the prosperity gospel. This is not where we claim our Mercedes, but we have a very precious promise here. Jesus says, God our Father knows what we need to live in this world. God our Father knows what we need to fulfill the purpose for which we've been created. God our Father knows what we need to fulfill the responsibilities we have in our family, for friends, for neighbors, for relatives. God knows what we need to fulfill the purpose for which he created us. He says, don't worry about those things. Worry about being in right relationship with God. Seek first. Make the first priority in your life. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his holiness. And these other things will be added as well. 
This is a powerful and important, it's a challenging promise and it's a consoling promise. It's challenging because it's so easy to let other things take the first place in our life. That's also what things are called, they're idols when they take the first thing in our life and they're not God. God needs to be the first person in our life. His word needs to be our first concern. Obedience to him needs to be the driving force of our life because his word is a lifeline. His life, his word is light to our feet, a lamp in the darkness. So I have to tell you that when I was sitting on the floor of that apartment, this word was really engraved on my heart. And it's been a word that's really kept me free from financial anxiety for 52 years of marriage. And it's something that my wife and I share. Our trust is in the Lord. You know, things come, things go. Times of prosperity come, times of, of want come. Right now, it's a little bit of time of want, right, for many of us. But our trust is in the Lord. Now, this is not supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to be a blessing. It's supposed to free us. Seeking first the kingdom of God isn't supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to be a path to freedom. Now, a lot of people say, you know, gee, I don't think money is an idol in my life. I don't think concern about finances is really gripping my life. Well, St. Francis de Sales has a lot of practical wisdom about how to kind of do a heart test. You know, Jesus says, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart is. So Francis de Sales actually has some guidelines about how to do a heart test to see whether our treasure is in the Lord, in the kingdom, or whether it's uh, in something else. So here's guideline number one. So Francis says, if you suffer financial loss and it really devastates you, it's a sign that your treasure is not in the kingdom, but your treasure is in your possessions. So that's one, one guideline. And then he says, another guideline is if you think you don't have enough to give anything to help somebody else, that's another sign that your heart is not in the kingdom. Now, you know, remember when Jesus commended the, uh, the, the widow who, who put a penny into the treasury in the temple and everybody was ooing and aahing about the big donations that people were making. Jesus said, she gave more than anybody. Uh, we had a saying in the Curcio movement, that's a movement that really helped me come back to the Lord, and it said, you never can outdo God in generosity. So even though when we got married, we hardly had anything, we started to tithe. We started to give alms. We started to give out of the little we had. And you know, another thing that Francis de Sales says is once you start giving, even out of the little that you have, you're going to be surprised because you can't outdo God in generosity. He says it's going to hurt when you give until the Lord restores it and gives it more abundantly. And that, that's, a, that's another promise in Scripture. You know, Malachi, bring the tithes into the storehouse. See what I do for you, says the Lord. Or uh, give it, it will be given to you, pressed over, falling over, flowing out of your lap. So there's a, there's a dynamic of, of surrender of giving even in the area of finances. Now, there's one other scripture passage about finances I'd like to share. It's from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Now, I never knew there was something really cool in Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6, but there is. And this is what it is. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said. Okay, how can we be content with what we have? 
How can we keep our life free from the love of money? It's because of something God has said to us, which is why his word is so important. This is what he said. I will never fail you, nor forsake you. And then it says, therefore, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can human beings do to me? This is powerful, the power of the word of God. How can we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can human beings do to me? It's only because of the promise he's made to us. It's only because of the love he's shown to us. Scripture says, perfect love casts out fear. Look look at the cross. We've been looking at it all evening. Perfect love casts out fear. We can't be any more loved than we're loved. We can be confident in his love. We can be confident in the Father's love. You know, one of the things I think most grieves the heart of the father is not letting us father him, not letting him father us. You know, that we, we think that we're, we're, we're in this world on our own. It's up to us. We've got to look out for number one. Well, we need to use wisdom. We need to use prudence. We need to balance, you know, faith and reason and all those things. But God the Father loves to father his children, and we need to have the confidence that we've been adopted into the family of God. We are the sons and daughters of God, and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. You know, the only thing that can separate us from the love of Christ is us, is sin. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. So Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, a key to peace about finances. Okay, the other big anxiety, the other big fear is the fear of getting sick, getting the virus, dying. There's a really important scripture passage, again in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same nature that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. This is a tremendous revelation here. What, what, what the Holy Scripture is revealing to us here is that the devil uses the fear of death to keep us in bondage. And Jesus came to defeat death and the fear of death. It isn't just in the resurrection of the body <clears throat> that, the, that death is going to be conquered. Death was conquered in the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's the seeds of that victory are in our life right now. But the devil uses our fear of dying to keep us locked up, to keep us from praising, to keep us from loving, to keep us from giving, to keep us from obeying, to keep us from risking, to keep us from surrendering ourselves to him. I want to say something I... I, I know there are people with us who don't know the Lord. I, I know there are people here who wonder what's going on. I wonder, I know there's people here that feeling like something's happening to you, something's touching you, and what is it? It's, it's the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus really is alive. He's alive in his word. He's alive in his spirit. He's alive right now in the room you're in. And he really is knocking at the door of your heart. Jesus is really knocking at the door of your heart. And all you have to do is open it. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me my sins. Come into my life. And your brothers and sisters will support you. If you're in that situation, I'd invite you right now 
If you hear his word today, and I think you are, harden not your heart. But open your heart to the love of God. Open your heart to the mercy of God. Open your heart to the forgiveness of sins and the wiping away of shame and guilt and the adoption into the family of God. So, let me tell you my own story again. I had drifted into getting over-concerned about my health at a certain point. It wasn't like I had great health problems at that time. But I, I, I would have headaches or I'd have an upset stomach or I didn't get enough sleep. And I, I'd kind of say, well, I guess I should kind of like go a little easy on myself today and you know, wait till tomorrow when I feel a little better to pray. And then I read something that Teresa of Avila wrote. She was writing about nuns in her convent. She says, nuns in my convent, they're stopping coming to prayer. They say they just had a headache. And then they say, well, maybe they'll have a headache again. And then they stay away from prayer three more days. They say, maybe I'll have a headache. And then she says, oh, God, help me this complaining among nuns. If you don't swallow death and the lack of health, you'll never do anything. When I read that, I was convicted. Believe it or not, I was like one of those nuns. I know it's embarrassing to admit a guy in Michigan being like a nun in Spain. I got convicted that I was over-concerned about how I was feeling, over-concerned about my health. And a lot of times when the Lord convicts you of something, he also gives you the grace to get free of it, and that was the case. I was convicted of being over-concerned, but the Lord gave me the grace right then and there to be delivered from it. It was the fear that Hebrews 2 is talking about, the fear of death that Hebrews is talking about, that Jesus came to free us from the fear I got freed from the fear that day, and I've never been afraid ever since of any kind of health problem I've had. And I've had some health problems. The last couple of international trips I've had, I've had kidney stone attacks in foreign countries, in, in emergency rooms where I couldn't speak the language. But there was a peace there, and there was a trust in the Lord that never would have been there before. And this is really true. Jesus wants to free us from the fear of death and from the, the lack of health. Now, what does it mean to swallow death? I think what it means is to come at, be at peace about the fact that we are going to die. So I'd like to suggest right now, take a look at your own death and trust God for the moment of it. Trust God for the timing of it. Trust God for when it happens and how it happens. Trust God for those you might leave behind. Say, go to your deepest fear. Go to your greatest anxiety. Go to your most intense worry. And right there, I want you to say, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. And I believe you will be delivered from being a slave to that fear. The fear will return. The anxiety will return. It's normal. Worry will return, but it never has to control us. It never has to grip us. At the darkest moment, your deepest anxiety, I want you to go there right now and say, Jesus, I trust in you. One of the things that Francis de Sales says is he says, if you're sick and the Lord hasn't healed you yet and the doctors haven't healed you yet, Don't waste your suffering. I know there's people out right now 
who are, who are watching, who are listening, who are suffering. I know there's a lot of people who have health issues. I know there's a lot of people right now, this moment, who are in pain. And one of the things that Francis de Sales says is don't waste your suffering. This really came home to me when I was at Fatima a couple of years ago. And for some reason, I'd known the whole Fatima story my whole life long. I'd been to Fatima once before and I didn't particularly connect with it. But this time, I particularly connected with St. Jacinta and St. Francisco. It's pretty amazing, but they both died in the Spanish flu in 1918. The worst pandemic in modern times. 50 million people died of the Spanish flu. Nowhere near what's happening right now. Mary asked them, are you willing to accept the suffering that comes your way in reparation for the sins that offend the Lord so much and also for the conversion of sinners? Lucy writes many, many years ago in her diary, we eagerly said, yes, Mary, we're happy to accept the suffering that the Lord sends us. And then Lucy writes in her diary, we had no idea what we were saying yes to. But when they both got the Spanish flu, Mary asked Jacinta, are you willing to suffer a little longer so that more souls can be saved? She said, yes, I am. She ended up dying alone in a hospital in Lisbon. But Mary was with her and visited her and told her some really important things. Don't waste your suffering. There's tremendous power, tremendous grace that can be released if we join our suffering to the suffering of Jesus. St. Paul says, I make up in my own flesh what's lacking in the suffering of Christ. Nothing's lacking in the suffering of Christ, but Jesus is so generous that he's giving us the privilege of participating with him in the salvation of the world, not just through the witness of our lives, not just through the preaching of the gospel, not just through our faithful service and our vocations, not just in our cooking and cleaning and, and all the things that are part of our life, but in our suffering. The very pain right now that we're suffering can release grace into the world, can, can make reparation for the sins that offend God so much, and can also release grace for the conversion of sinners. Jesus tells us, who to fear. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. There really is a heaven and there really is a hell. No matter what lies are filling the world and the church today, there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. And it really matters whether we respond to Jesus or not. It really matters whether we believe it or not. It really matters if we repent of our sins or not. It really matters if we follow him or not. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. Now, he doesn't mean that literally. This is literary form. This is Jewish hyperbole. Yes, it is. But he's making a very strong point. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. What Jesus is saying is, do whatever you need to do to turn away from serious sin. 
Now, these days, a lot of people don't even know what serious sin is. Like, uh, is, it, is it serious sinful not to recycle? You know, I mean, there's a lot of confusion out there, especially in the area of sexual morality today. Listen to what God's word says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says, don't let anybody deceive you. The immoral, and the actual Greek word is the sexually immoral, will not enter the kingdom of God. The fornicator, the adulterer, the person who engages in homosexual activity, the thief, the robber, the liar, the miser, the drunkard, the idolater, the sorcerer will not enter the kingdom of God. Here's the good news. Paul goes on to say, and such were some of you, but you've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ, the washing of the water of baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. So if there's anybody listening to this right now that you're in the grip of serious sin, you got to get out of that. You got to repent. You got to throw yourself at the feet of the Lord. You got to go to the sacrament of confession. Go to a 12-step if you need to go to. Go to a 12-step group if you need to. Uh, get help from a brother or sister. Uh, throw out the stuff you need to throw out. If your computer's causing you to sin, throw it out. Yes, you can survive without a computer. People have done it for thousands of years. Do whatever you need to do to get free from serious sin because your life literally depends on it. The first death for a Christian is entry into, into paradise. But there's such a thing as a second death, the lake of fire. In the book of Revelation, it says sorcerers and fornicators and idolaters are, and, and liars are thrown into the lake of fire, the second death, which is hell. Life is short and only one thing is necessary, to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus, to ask him to have mercy on us and forgive us our sins, and to become his disciple, to become his follower, to become his witness. The most powerful text, though, and I'll end here, is from the words of Jesus himself, John chapter 11. Martha comes running to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died, and I know he'll rise again the last day. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die, shall never see the second death. So brothers and sisters, what's the worst thing that could happen to us? Well, according to human standards, dying. But for a Christian, Death is an entryway into paradise, an entranceway into a far better life. In case I didn't cover your anxiety or worry or fear, I have two final texts that covers everything. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let everybody know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. You know, one of the things I really appreciate about our pastor, Father Ed, and and the the sermons he's been giving online, is he says, you know, it's a terrible loss that we don't have the Eucharist, and we don't have the personal presence of a priest, and we can't wait to return to those. Those are so special. But, you know, Vatican II says there's two other ways in which Jesus is present to us. He's present in his word, and he's present in our souls through baptism. Jesus isn't distant from you right now. He's right in you. The Father and Son and Holy Spirit have come to dwell in you. He's right in you. He's nearer to you than your own breath. 
He's closer to you than your closest friend. So, have no anxiety about anything. So that covers everything. If I didn't cover your anxiety, this covers it. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a command from the word of God. When anxiety starts to grip us, resist it in the name of the Lord. St. Ignatius of Loyola says, discouragement is never from the Lord. It's always to be resisted. You resist it with the word of God. You resist it with the spirit of the Lord. You resist it with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Dear brothers and sisters, thank you for letting me share this word with you tonight. May it strengthen you. May it free you. May it give you ammunition for the battle and for the days ahead. Amen. Those of us here at Renewal Ministries hope you are enjoying Right Now with Ralph Martin. We're honored to be with you, and our team enjoys bringing this podcast to you each week. The Renewal Ministries team would like to invite you to two special events. First, a virtual event, the Lift Jesus Higher Rally. This year's theme is Consuming Fire. Lift Jesus Higher will take place Saturday, February 27th in two sessions from 1 to 3.30 p.m. and from 7 to 9.45 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. There will be praise and worship, Eucharistic adoration, a healing service, and Divine Mercy celebration. And throughout the day, you'll hear from speakers like Ralph and also Peter Herbeck, Father Matthias Thalen, Andre and Angel Renier, Cardinal Thomas Collins, Bishop Scott McCaig, and more. And then the following day, we'll begin a live virtual Lenten mission with Ralph, and that will be on his best-selling book, The Fulfillment of All Desire, which will take place from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern on four consecutive Sunday evenings, beginning that Sunday, February 28th. To register or for more information for either of these events, see the links in the show notes. We'll see you next week.